Hello, and welcome back to the Electric Punch Podcast. As always, I am your host, Logan Grigsby, and today we are going to have another electric episode for you. Today, I have the honor of welcoming on tonight's very special guest, the human penguin himself, uh, Mr. Alfredo. What's up, guys? How you doing? Um, So you obviously have your fingers in many pies from helping run Impact, helping put on Impact Festival, helping other festivals such as Breakaway, helping do Dance Fest Yellow Brick Road Tour and things like that. But uh, today we're going to be focusing obviously on the music aspect of it and the things you do with music. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. So my first question, um, you're known as a club DJ, correct? So you have to... Yeah, I mean, like I started like... I mean, I, I have different varieties. I've done anything from weddings to bars to open format, but like m- mainly I'm the resident of a club. So I try to like make, especially the human penguin brand to revolve around what is a club and what it's like to set up the vibe for a club. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that, obviously you have to be very aware of who you're playing music to and be very, uh, on the fly changing to play and tailor to the crowd correct exactly i mean like when you are digging something like a club especially like something like aura specifically when there's a night where there's no headliner Mm -hmm. you have to be very careful of what you play how you play and to be actually pay attention to the crowd like because like the reaction that you get just from the crowd will tell you what you need to play absolutely and you need to be able to play things that you don't even like like you you will have to play things that are hip hop to like, yeah, like bangers or whatever. But like, you can't just go up and play what you want to hear for yourself. Absolutely. So this brings me kind of to my first question. Now, I don't really understand how to use goggles, so I couldn't figure Google this myself. So I figured bringing it to my podcast would be the next best thing. Recently, I've been hearing of a genre I haven't ever really heard of before, and I was hoping you would have the insight to break it down for me. My first question is, what the hell is country EDM? I have no idea. <laughs> and, with but... us being Can- <laughs> and with us being in Kansas City and having a pretty known respect for country music, why have, why have we not heard of it first? I mean, if you say country EDM, to me, I am thinking of Avicii's album that he dropped at Ultra, where he will bring like country artists and like where he will have like actual guitars and actual instruments kind of like involved in it with vocalists and things like that. But I mean, now that I've seen like also a new country rhythm thing, which is actually just yes. a Nirvana. This, yeah, this remix. is what I was pro- what, what I was prompting the question. First off, I never thought of Nirvana as country, but how, apparently, how yeah, apparently if he here? has a guitar, it's country. That's how EDM kids do it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the question is, how did how did we get here? And do you see country EDM or country rhythm popping up in Kansas City in the future? Do you see that possibly being a thing in this market? I, I mean, I can definitely see it. I mean, like back in the day, when if Avicii would have come, whenever he was doing that album, it would have sold out Arrowhead. Absolutely. And like now, you say like country rhythm is Hall. I mean, anyone that listens to any kind of dubstep, they know who Hall is. So I, mean, I think like it's. It's here to stay, like, unfortunately, rhythm does. So, like, every single uh, genre of electronic music, I feel like, has a cycle. Like, uh, where it gets very big, and then everyone starts doing it. So, it gets overpopulated, oversaturated. Everyone thinks it's lame because it's mainstream. <laughs> and then it disappears. And then the old heads that were the new heads when they started, start, like, bringing it back again. And it goes just like that in circles and circles. I mean, you can just see it in house, you can see it in techno, you can see it in drum and bass. I mean, they all do that thing. So it will probably be pretty famous for a year or two. Then it will disappear when everyone copies it. And then it will come back in five years. Well, I, for one, hope country rhythm is here to stay. Whether it be nonsense or not, I hope country rhythm is here to stay. (laughs) Hey, I mean, as long as people like it. We'll bring it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so let's get started with a little bit of uh, background. Obviously, you're not originally from Kansas City. Um, Want to fill me in on where you're from and kind of what in your journeys brought you to Kansas City? So I'm, I'm actually from Mexico City. I was born in Mexico City uh, 31 years ago, almost 32 years ago. Then I moved to Rolla, Missouri to go to college mm-hmm. and a little school called Missouri University of Science and Technology. Mm-hmm. Is the smallest, the, the longest name of any university in Missouri. <laughs> and once I, w- um, I went there for a school, I graduated and with an engineering degree, and I came to Kansas City to start working um, as an engineer. And then 
Uh, eventually, I realized that was not for me, and I started getting more stuff into like music. I started putting my own shows and I started aging. Excuse me. And then from there, I just uh, started creating, working for different companies until I decided to open my own personal company and putting my own shows. And then, you know, everything's from there is history. <laughs> so Phil, from engineering to EDM, next yeah. we're going to do enter just entertainment in general. Well, I, I guess for Impact, you got entertainment. I mean, if you, if you think about it, all the people that are really into EDM, like especially the people that are like producing, are really big nerds like me, you know? Absolutely. So, absolutely. And I consider myself a nerd. I like comic books. I like math. And I was pretty good at it. So I think that that's a connection of like, People that used to be jocks into like people that are nerds. Absolutely. Now taking over. <laughs> I was I was gonna throw this out out here as my as my uh, icebreaker question, but uh, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Are you excited for this new Batman movie? No, really. Not really. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm hundred percent a Marvel guy. I'm very excited for the new um, what is it called? The new Loki series. Oh yes. And absolutely. The, the new Galaxy of the Gardens. The, Guardians of the Galaxy. Rocket's gonna make me cry. Don't even get me started. Oh We're no, no, no. Have a 30, 30 minutes of me crying about how I think Rocket's I, I, gonna die. I don't think he will die. I'm, <laughs> I mean, we all know that Rocket is gonna die because he has been posted everywhere. Absolutely. I think it's gonna only be gonna be him. I don't think that um, that any of like the other characters will die. I know that we're gonna have a couple additions to the group, like Quasar and uh, what's his face, um, uh, uh, Warlock or whatever it's called. Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock. So yeah. But I mean, that one's gonna be a good one. And I, I mean, but yeah, absolutely, Marvel guy forever. Okay, awesome. So let's get a little bit back to the music. Um, obviously, so did you grow up with kind of an artistic background and family? And do you know any instruments, or just kind of the CDJs and mixing? Oh no, no, no. Like, uh, I mean, no one in my family knows how to sing. No one of them. <laughs> none of us know how to paint. Like, we were probably one of the least artistic uh, families ever. I was in choir when in the choir when I was like in middle school, and then I always had like an interest in playing instruments. But I have the worst ADHD, so I will take something and take it super seriously for three weeks, and I will get okay at it, and then I will drop it. Very like good. I probably know how to play two songs in the guitar that have like four chords, and that's it. But that's it. I can play I mean, cross buns on the recorder. No, very relatable. I'm yeah. very, pick something up for, for a couple weeks, try to master it, and then I'm like, eh, I'm going to master something new. Definitely DJing is what I uh, have sticking with the farthest. I started when I was 17 years old. Um, I went to a concert uh, for EDM, Ferry Corsten, and I saw it and I liked it. One of my friends had bought two Newmark, um, I mean, they're like DJ, they're like what, what do you call it, like media players or whatever. And I just start playing on them. And then I really got into it. And then when I moved to the United States, I started working and making a little bit of money. And I got a Reloop controller. And I just started doing that one with Tractor. And from there, I just started moving through. But like, I mean, if you ask, if you ask me or ask like anyone in my family, like they would see me doing anything that had to do with anything in music at all. Like they would have said no. Although my dad was a manager for a big um, Mexican pop band, like in the 80s, mm -hmm. 70 and 80s. So like, I mean, I do have like that part of the music industry. Like also my sister, she organizes weddings and it's an event planner. Mm -hmm. So like, I kind of have like that connection through my family. Absolutely. Like we, we always were like people that would like to plan things and sort of like that. But I never still saw myself like, playing main stage at a festival or anything Absolutely. like that <laughs> Absolutely. well most people probably don't if you go in freaking looking to play main stage at a festival you might be going in for the wrong reasons exactly exactly i mean i always been doing it for the music like everyone knows like you know if if i was doing this for the money i would have quit it a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um so you said and came 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 to america and kind of got introduced to edm what were some of the first concerts and some of the first musicians that kind of inspired you to get into get into edm and start trying to take it more seriously well like um i mean like i said ferry corsten was like the first one that i really got into and so i like trance in the beginning i was a, i'm still a huge above and beyond fan um i like old tiesto before he like changed into like uh, more of the dancey stuff mm -hmm. um armin van buren uh, Matt So, which is still like one of my favorite, pro my favorite producer. Um, so like, I like all that kind of stuff. And from there, like I started moving a little bit more into like tropical house and like more like dancey house, like Mastic Soul, things like that. 
And then from there, like, um, I kind of like went to ultra one time mm -hmm. and really got into more of like the um, techno side of the stuff. And I even like a little bit of more like the rap and trap part. Mm -hmm. I, that was the first time I ever heard like an actual dubstep show. And I was not into it. Like I still like that. That was, I was, that was not my thing. And, uh, so like, I mean the, my evolution from like being like never, ever, like only playing 128 house to like now where I can play like anything from any kind of BPM and any kind of genre. Uh, the ability to yeah. switch it up on the fly. Yeah. Okay, so what were some of the first shows you play, played? What were kind of the vibes of those shows? And kind of how big were they? And how have you kind of seen your career grow and progress since then? I mean, the first shows I ever played, especially in college, they were on a, you know, creepy-ass basement with <laughs> 20 dudes, because I went to an engineering school Absolutely. and three girls, because that was the ratio back <laughs> that, then. That's college. <laughs> a lot of jungle juice, very sticky floors. That's literally, like, it's funny, because one of my friends, he still comes sometimes to my shows. His name is Brady, and he, um, I used to play in his basement, and there's someone else that's called Alex Pratt. He's still in the EDM scene, and I literally used to play in their house basements, and that's where I started. Uh, like just play there from 8 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. And like I would force people to listen to house music. <laughs> they were not very happy. All they wanted to play was the WAP and the Wobble or oh, whatever. no. Yeah, and I would not play it. And But like they gave me the opportunity to like do all that and practice. And then like I think like one of my first um, actual shows mm -hmm. was in St. Louis. Um, it was uh, for like one of those phone parties or something. Um, I played, uh, I think it was like first inside, there was literally me and my friend were only there. And then from there, like I started like pushing myself more, played a couple of shows in Kansas City too, but it was the same, just like first opener, just because I will ask the, basically the promoter like, hey, can I just come and play first? So that's where like I basically started to play, but it was n nothing really like big at all until Absolutely. like I moved to Kansas City and started getting myself more involved. Well, first off, I'd just like to state my opinion of phone parties. I think they're a conspiracy by a big shower to get, get Wooks to take showers. I'm, okay, I'm like completely <laughs> okay with that. I'm going to say this. Everyone, it's summer. If you go to any shows, please wear deodorant. Please wear deodorant. Please take a shower. First off, deo that is another conspiracy by big deodorant. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, there's nothing worse than trying to say, passing through a crowd and just like getting that big. Oh, getting hit by that old. wave or oh, get going in and just getting hit immediately by Trust me, door. no one, no <laughs> one in Kansas City sweats more than me. I can promise you that. And I still don't smell bad. Sometimes. So, so go, going from um, first shows, what are some of the shows that you're more proud of playing? Some of the more, uh, I guess, peaks, peaks you'd say? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think like the ones that just pop into my head every time they're like, Someone asked me, like, what was your favorite show? I would say the Boombox Cartel one mm -hmm. at um, Haha's Casino when I did direct support for him, for him. That one was, like, one of the best experiences I ever had just because I, I think that that's, like, one of my first, like, really introductions with, like, a lot of the ADM uh, scene in Kansas City that wouldn't just go to Riot Room because mm -hmm. that's where, like, I would normally play. Absolutely. And um, it was also, like, a very like, a special night for me because I'm very good friends with... Uh, with American, I used to manage for, uh, do tour managing for him and stuff. So it was like a great reconnection there. And I mean, of course, playing Breakaway, even though they, like they opened the doors later after my set or whatever, like just being on the main stage was definitely something special. Uh, when I played Backwoods, um, like I think it was like four or five years ago with one of my best friends, Sam, we actually got to play right after Audion. I were the only. Um, what it's called the only stage going on at that moment mm -hmm. so we had probably like three or four three like no like two thousand people that everyone because we were like on the way to the campsites absolutely. everyone just stopped right there just to see us so it was something special check it out yeah absolutely okay so you obviously are a master of mixing it up and playing to the crowd but when you have the opportunity to play what you want to play do you think your music has a particular sound? And can you describe that sound as somebody like me who isn't quite the biggest expert in EDM? I mean, I would say, yes, like, I mean, especially what, it really depends what kind of like person, mood, persona mood or what kind of persona I'm playing. Mm -hmm. But like, the way that like, I, like someone told me, it's like you just play party music. Like, whatever I play, especially when I'm playing under Human Penguin, 
and I'm having fun, I'm playing myself. It's just a party, like everyone is dancing and everyone is singing. Absolutely. Like that's something I learned. Like I used to be someone that like would not play lyrics at all. And now like even if, if I like a song too much, I'm just gonna make sure that I can match some vocals with it. Cause like just the singing part really attracts and makes people like feel like they are in a party. Absolutely. And like, Absolutely. And like a lot of the times it's just more of like making sure that the crowd is having fun but also that you are having fun. Absolutely. If you see a DJ standing up there and not moving at all, you you even yourself that like, you're just like okay. I'm you like, can tell they're putting put, putting out their manifestation and their energy into how they're playing. But like if you see the DJ having a great time dancing, like I mean, one of the best examples is Roscoe. I remember perfectly when I saw Roscoe for the first time. Like he's just dancing on the stage, having a great time. So like you are, you want to have that like that that energy just like transmits. And I used to be the other way. I used to be someone that like would just put my head down, play on CDJs, and think that what I'm playing, everyone had to like it. But no, like I never plan a set. I always just show up with hundred to one hundred and fifty tracks and pick maybe the first or the second track, and that's it. And then go from there, see where it goes, and like I mean, just see what the people like. Absolutely. So you work both with a production company and is yourself is a DJ. Do you ever have difficulty kind of managing and finding a balance between the two and also kind of separating the two and saying, Hey, I want to keep, I want to keep this part of me separate and I want to keep the uh, concert production separate and kind of balancing that and yeah, balancing that. Yeah. Oh no, definitely. I mean, um, there's been a lot of times it's, you know, especially if you're a DJ and you are putting your own shows and having, it's very easy to put yourself and just like play the shows. And like, I do that. I'm like, I know everyone thinks that I just put myself in every show, but it's not because I want to. It's, it's easiest I'm to trust, to. trust yourself in my Well, no, opinion. no, just that. Like, I mean, I'm a, especially when I do Aura, um, mm -hmm. I'm asked to play because like, I'm a club DJ. And even though the shows are EDM, depending how many tickets they have been selling and stuff, you're going to get a big crowd that isn't, EDM, so absolutely you need absolutely. to be able to play into that. But like, I mean, it's it's it hasn't really been hard to, for me because I do, even though I love DJing, I do like more putting events together. So like for me, it's like, it's very easy to just focus on the part where I am putting my shows together instead of like, I'm like working the show instead of playing. But of course, there's a lot of times that like, I'll end up like putting the show together and like halfway through, I'm like, damn, I really wish I would have been playing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So recently in college, I, I read a quote and I had to write a little paper on it and I wish I could ask this now so I could stole stolen your, your input from my paper. But, uh, the quote was every great artist also needs to either be a great salesperson or needs a great salesperson working with them. How do you feel about this quote? Oh no, a hundred percent. I mean, I, we literally were just talking about this in the morning in my uh, in the group of the of impact. Like right now, it's even though it's of course it's important having your own sound and being able to, uh, you know, make your own music and everything. Mm -hmm. It's almost it's actually more important to be able to sell that music and that persona. Absolutely. Like you have people that like honestly have probably never even made their own music, but like they have so many likes and so many. Uh, and people like recognize them so much that they are selling more tickets than the best producer in the in the world. Absolutely. And like so, it's it like it's definitely important either to you be the person that can do that. And if you are not a good salesperson, if you are not a good social media manager, just have the team that is good at doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so would you rather always sing out of tune or never be able to keep up with the beat? I already sing out of tune all the time. <laughs> like, trust me, my daughter every time is like, hey, Alfredo, please, stop, <laughs> stop. Every single, every time I try to sing Frozen, she gets mad. Oh, so man. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm completely fine, keep, keep singing out of, uh, out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going through your career as a DJ specifically, what is some advice that you have been given or maybe just some advice in your head that has always kind of stuck with you or just stands out in your mind? I think, I mean, one of the biggest advices, and I think is the most important one is like, remember, you're not the best. Like Absolutely. basically like always put your ego aside, like never even felt like, I know I joke and I post everywhere that I'm Kansas City's best club DJ. <laughs> I think everyone knows that like the reason why I do that is because I'm not that person. I always like 
try to make sure that everyone else like gets their opportunity and gets their spot. Absolutely. And never try to like no matter what room you're in, there's always gonna be someone that is bigger than you in the room and you will never know. So like, you know, it, it can happen. Like you I have people that have walked into a room and treated very bad a person because they have no idea who it is, and that's the headliner. And like that headliner will never like work with that person again. <laughs> Absolutely. So like you always have to be nice to everyone and like realize that like just be humble. That's like the best best advice that you can honestly get. Because if you don't act like that, people are not gonna want to work with you. And if they don't want to work with you, they are not gonna get anywhere. Absolutely. So you have said you've pursued higher education and engineering in the past. Yeah. Transitioning the higher education to music, how important do you think higher education is to being a good DJ or making it as a successful artist? Do you think a degree in music theory or even more, more training in music th theory or similar degrees is necessary? Or how helpful do you think it is in a career in the music industry? I, th I honestly think like it really depends on the, per on the person. Absolutely. I know people that have open YouTube tutorials and just learn by themselves and right now they're playing main stage at Lost Lands. Absolutely. And I know people that they couldn't do that but then they ended up signing up to go to Icon Collective or, or something at one of other schools and they needed that like not a schedule but that like um, routine made for them to be able to achieve the level that they needed and they're also playing main stage at Lost Land. So it really depends, you know, like it's just like some people are very good waking up at, in the morning and going to work out. And there's some people that they need to be in a team or something to be able to go work out or something like that. It's the same way. Like, you know, it's like having a trainer. Some people need a trainer to lose weight. Some people just decide to lose weight and they lose weight. Oh. So it really depends from person to person. I do think that you definitely need to have, like, you can't just sit down in front of Ableton, open it, and do it. Absolutely. Like, either you are going to have, need a mentor, you're going to need to take classes, or YouTube tutorials. But right now, you can literally learn anything that you can learn in a university on YouTube. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, do you have any pets? Yes, I do. Cats, dogs, <laughs> uh, birds? Oh, I have two pets. Um, one of them is named Chancla Avocato. She's my little cat. She has a broken tail. And I found her during a storm, like in Westport. She came into my house and I just put a little bit of food outside and she kept coming back. So I just adopted her. <laughs> and then I have a puppy right now. She's still a puppy. Her name is Coco Sombra, which means shadow because she follows me everywhere. And she is probably like, I mean, we adopted her from the Humane Society in Topeka. She's a mix of Labrador and I don't know what else. She's around 60 pounds now. And uh, she's the sweetest thing in the world. I'm and sorry, did you just say your cat is 60 pounds? No, this is my dog. This okay. is my dog. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Like, this is my puppy. My, pu my cat is probably like, <laughs> she's fat. I was like, okay. She, my cat is fat. We do tuna Tuesdays every Tuesday on the clock at 8 in the morning. But uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I do have pets. I love them to death. I think... Everyone needs to have a pet, I think, for just like their mental health. Even if you don't like dogs, get a cat. If you don't like cats, get a dog. And a lizard. Or, or if a you laser. don't like fur, get a lizard. Or, yeah, or get, I don't know, a bird, whatever. So if you could ask your pets any, any two or three questions, what do you think would be, would be the questions? Oof. Uh, I think the first one would probably be, uh, do they prefer chicken or beef? Um, the second one would be who's their favorite, me or Carly. And <laughs> the third one would probably be how crazy do they think that I am? Because I talk to them all the time and they never answer. So I feel like that would be a good question for them to answer. So you obviously with Impact work usually with a team. Do you usually feel like you work better with a team or do you feel like you kind of work better solo? Oh, no, definitely with a team. Like, I mean, when I started Impact, I basically tried to do everything by myself. And like, working with a team, it makes it like way easier. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I know you, everyone's seen it when I called Bailey the MVP, mm -hmm. or like, you know, that I always call out Savvy. And it's just because of that way, like, it's so much easier. Like, I don't have to worry, like, literally, I don't have to worry about anything that has to do with promotion or hospitality or picking up or like transportation, because Savvy takes care of that. So I literally just, copy him in the emails and he'll take care of that. And Absolutely. then all the social media, 
I literally, I'm technically, I'm banned by Bailey from posting in social media for Impact because, as some of you can imagine, I'm, my grammar and my spelling are and my spelling are horrible. And even though it started as funny when people would realize who was posting, now I just like basically tell her if I'm gonna put one to post, which I don't really have to, because like she's very good at like scheduling things and posting things. And then I kind of like, they kind of like told me I cannot post in the Impact Instagram anymore because I will forget when he was signing <laughs> to my account. So I'm pretty sure you all already have seen my dog on the Impact account because I will forget I was signing to that and I will post pictures of her. So Absolutely. that's why they handled that. But it's it's way but like. Anyone who thinks that they can do everything by themselves, they're just lying to themselves. Absolutely. Okay, so we're from Mexico City, another country, which is obviously a whole other market. And obviously, you've said you started out in other cities, such as St. Louis. Now you're big in Kansas City. Can you kind of compare and contrast the cultural diversity of Kansas City to some other, let's say, major cities? And maybe even compare Kansas City to uh, Mexico? Oh, definitely. I mean, like... Even just like St. Louis and Kansas City, they have like different markets. Like, even though we're only four hours away and literally in the same state, what works there might not work here at all. Absolutely. Like, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that like started there and like they have like very big artists that started there that wouldn't have, have just started working here or like that actually wouldn't even work here. I mean, you know, you have like people like Lucy or um, that has never really played in Kansas City, but he's plays every week in St. Louis and sells out. So, I mean, there's definitely a difference of culture. I don't know what it has to be. It could be that they're closer to Chicago. So maybe they get like an influence from there. Or maybe just that like we are more involved in like the Midwest, Nebraska, Absolutely. Iowa region that like we... We're we very a melting pot here in Kansas City. Like like you said, we we do we are close enough in the Midwest that we do have Chicago, but also some people would consider us in the South, and some people would consider us this and that. So we do have a very diverse mix. I feel like definitely, definitely, and like yeah, and like the, you know, like what works in the Iowa and Nebraska works better in Kansas City than what works in St. Louis, I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. So you would say we are more Midwestern yes. vibe than St. Louis. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I also don't like St. Louis because I think Kansas City is better. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to double down on that. Hell yeah, we'll kick St. Louis's ass any day. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so why don't you still tell me the story behind the name Human Penguin? Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> when I was in college, I was in a fraternity. And as some of you know, uh, when you're in a fraternity, sometimes you drink. And <laughs> really? for Halloween, I got a, a, a penguin costume. Because I saw one of my friends got one for um, when we went to Tomorrow World. So I thought it would be funny for me to just have that for and like match with him. But then I got drunk before a party and it was not Halloween or anything. And I just went and put my costume on yes. and start DJing. So it became a thing that every time I would get drunk and I was asked to DJ, I would put my costume on. <laughs> so one of my friends just told me, you look like a penguin human. And I was like, <laughs> yes. and then the one of my other friends was like, yeah, you're like the human penguin, and that's it, and that's it. Like, it's, you know, starts as a joke, and, like, then you just stick to it. Just go roll with it. And, like, sometimes I even cringe at myself when people ask me, it's like, what's your DJ name? I'm like, gosh, like, do I really have to say it? But, like, I, I learned to love it and just accept it. Yeah, that is my ultimate fear that one of my Halloween costumes, I'd get drunk in one of my Halloween costumes and that's ultimately like what I become. <laughs> That'll be called your entire persona for the rest of your life. Yeah. So Human Penguin is one of your bigger personas. Can you tell me a little bit about your other personas that are artistic projects that you've maybe looked at or pursued in the past? Yeah, I mean, for like the solo ones, I've done White Sauce, which was uh, with one of my friends, Nick Meyer. Well, started like that, but like I've kind of like been doing it more like by myself on place like he joins from here and there. But that was more like we play heavy dubstep. We call ourselves, like, I mean, call ourselves um, Sets Death cover band. And then uh, the other one is Love Fredo, which it kind of started like as a joke in a way. Like some, I don't remember exactly who, but one of my friends told me, he's like, you should just start playing like some lower stuff, like, um, and just call yourself Lofredo. And I was like, okay. And then during the, um, what is it called? Um, infrasound, one of the DJs didn't show up for the late set. So like Chris Otter just came over and was like, hey, you want to play? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I just went grab my flash drive. 
and ended up playing um, for like the after, like the yeah, like the after parties or whatever. And like that, from there, like it just started growing and coming. And like some people don't know, but I really like honestly, this like all the music I play as Low Fredo is basically found by my fiance Carly. Mm-hmm. I just go into her SoundCloud and whatever she listens to, I just download it and play it. That is that is kind of sweet, <laughs> sweet in like a really nice way. I wish I had somebody who like go into my SoundCloud like, and like, like play music. That is not I like. I'll still play like I'll still like make my own music as Low Fredo, but like they. Like she knows way more about that music, so how you start doing? I Absolutely. start like basically taking her requests. Okay. And then like for the uh, projects where I have like other people, I've been doing one with um, one of my other friends, Hal Gucci. And we call him Gucci Penguin, and it's just like you know, just our back to back stuff. And then I have chips and dip that I do with Bailey. So which because I'm still trying to learn to teach her how to do DJ, so she can eventually take over the mantra. Oh yeah, hell yeah. So I read this scary statistic the other day that said some 13% of American men think they could beat a King Cobra in a fight. Furthermore, 7% of men think they could beat a grizzly bear in a fight. Um, What is the biggest or baddest animal that you think that you could take in a fight? I don't know. I don't even think I can take my fiance in a fight if she really (laughs) wanted to. So... I don't know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a very peaceful person, so I, I'm going to say, like, probably, like, I could probably take a small dog, like a Chihuahua <laughs> or a Yorkshire, anything bigger, I would probably try to pet and they would try to attack first. See, I, I don't want to weigh on this because there's a video out there of me trying to feed the geese and the geese tried to attack <laughs> oh, I, me. I could, no, no I, don't, don't fuck with geese. Yeah, I ran away don't scared from with the geese. geese so. I got attacked by, a, by one of them in Hawaii one time. They are not nice creatures. <laughs> they are not nice to mess with. <laughs> so, when you are making music, are you making it with yourself for yourself, or are you making it for your audience in mind? Oh, I always make music just for myself. Like I'll make mashups for like the audience, but when I try to make music, I'll just try to make things that I like. I'm like, I'm, this is gonna try to sound like a, this is gonna sound a little bit not humble very much, but I feel like I have a very good ear to like what people like to listen. So like. I feel like if, if I, I normally think if I like a song or if I like something that most people will like it when I play it. Absolutely. So speaking of making music, do you have any absolute dream collaborations or anything that you would drop anything and everything to do given, given the opportunity? Oh, yeah. So if, if I could do something with Matt so anytime, I would def or above and beyond. Like even though like I don't really listen or play that much that music like that like that much anymore, mm-hmm. that's like the main favorite favorite thing I would probably like to do. Absolutely. And then speaking of dreams, do you have any dream venues or music fe- festivals that were absolute goals or dreams that you do anything to make happen? Oh, I mean, I would love to play something like Sensation White in Amsterdam, just because like it's a very exclusive like. Festival. I don't even know if they still do it, but that's, it was also like watching videos of that festival is what got me into electronic music. I mean, venues, everyone says like Red Rocks, but I think the Gorge is even more beautiful. Even more beautiful. I, I actually completely agree with you on that. I used to think Red Rocks would be like the penultimate thing, but then seeing the Gorge, that, that's another breathtaking view that I it actually is, I mean, I, I went to Paradiso there for a festival once, and that's it. I probably will never ever go back just because it's such, unless like, I'm transported there because it's such a pain. You have to fly to Seattle, drive three hours <laughs> and a half, camp, and then it's... It's, a, it's an experience. It's an experience. It's an experience. I did it once and that's it. Okay, so being a DJ, I can imagine, is a little nerve-wracking. How has your feelings of confidence changed from playing your first show to today? And what are some like tips or tricks or what are some things that you do to deal with pre-show jitters? See, I, I mean... I don't know why, but like I never really had like never got nervous before shows just because it's something that I enjoy so much that like I just go and have fun. And but like there's something that like I I read the other day in Twitter. I don't remember who was the one that said it, but it was like like even if you fuck up while you're DJing, um, I don't like a hundred percent of the people. Ninety five percent of the people are not gonna hear the two beeps that like you skipped or whatever, or the little transition that you, it wasn't perfect. And out of the rest of the 5% of the people that actually did hear that you fucked up, 
four percent of the like four percent of that are not gonna care absolutely. and the one percent they can fuck off yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. so at the beginning of the podcast i was asking about country country rhythm country edm um what other genres of music do you think kind of uh do you see kind of growing in popularity or exploding in the future i know you do a lot with the kansas city rollers club a yes. drum and bass club can you yes. kind of tell me about your work with that that as well well okay so like that that's the the little baby an idea of savvy sadler and austin Whitworth, uh air quotes so like they really were the ones that like came up with ideas savvy's been asking me to bring drum and bass since like i know him and slowly like it has grown been growing in the united states and then finally when him and austin got together and got to meet each other it's where like all of these came out and i just basically gave them the platform to do it i mean i just, i help them with the bookings finding the venue and things like that the logistics but it really is all their idea they are the ones that book the people like and they just let me be part of it because like i have grown to love roman bass too but it really like they are the ones that like came up with everything i can't really take the um what is it called i can't really take take that as mine like it's their thing but i think like drum and bass is probably drum and bass is the next big thing that is growing right now and we're we have already been seeing it uh i think after that like i mean you have garage uk garage is definitely making a big um like starting to come into united states because it's already huge in uk Mm -hmm. but like you have people like interplanetary criminal um that that are like finally coming to united states um like one of them is he's opening for flume and i think that's going to start opening the gates for people like mph and things like that to start coming absolutely absolutely so on the opposite end of that spectrum do you think any genres of music are kind of dying out and or do you is there a genre of music that you would like to see die i would love if rhythm die (laughs) everyone knows that and i'm not afraid to say it i think like all the kind like i was saying earlier in the show i think all kinds of music go through the cycle um i think for example right now like that heavy tear out dubstep is going to start slowing down a little bit i'm not saying that the artists are going to become less big but i don't think as many people are going to start making it i mean you already see it with like the big big exposers of like the, um, those kind of music are already starting to move into different genres like deep dubstep and like um drum and bass so it's like it's going to disappear. I just don't think everyone is going to want to make that music anymore. Absolutely. And in like and then in like 5 years it will come back again where everyone wants to do that. But I mean, I don't know. I feel like Tech House is slowly kind of like also getting a little bit out like everyone already did it. It's so everyone realized how easy it is to do or not not, not easy to make but like but how repetitive it is Absolutely. and it's starting to slow and it'll come back but like I don't know. I think techno is also making a huge comment to the United States. Like, I know a lot of people are finally getting into it. Absolutely. So, obviously, you spent, you are a very busy person with your fingers in a lot of pies from helping out Aura all the time to Impact to being a penguin. How do you manage and balance work life, social life, family life, business life, travel, all this crazy stuff that is hard to deal with? Oh, I mean, I, I, I was pretty bad at it. But like, if, if, you know, with the time you start learning, you start putting priorities on things. But like, also, like I said, um, just with a team. So it's very easy. Like, it was funny because a couple of days ago, Bailey was jokingly saying that she was already my manager, which technically it is because I will forget or I won't answer something and she will be copying the emails and be like, hey, Alfredo, we need to take care of this. And like, you know, with the Impact Festival, that's where like I'm, t- I'm the most focused right now. So that's where um, I try to put most of my my energy, ex, my energy and stuff. Yeah, and like I just I, I've been able to like separate it very easy, you know. Like on the weekends, I'll be a human penguin, and then during the week, the first three days of the week, I'll be answering emails and get everything ready, set up for the weekend, and then the next couple of days, I'll focus on the festival. So that makes sense. I try to do it like that. How Break can I have it a schedule? Up certain days mm-hmm. and what days and those that make, that makes a lot of sense. Although I'd probably like. Split my personality doing that. I mean, oh, I, I still do that. I still do that. <laughs> so obviously, time management is crazy stressful. Do you consider that to be the most stressful part of your job, or what do you consider to be the most stressful part? I mean, I think like one of the most stressful parts is probably like not knowing how things are gonna do until after the show. Absolutely. There's a lot of shows that like you will literally think that they're gonna do amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and they won't. Like you will still be have like a bunch of pre-sales, but it stops selling out of nowhere. Absolutely. And the other way around, you will have shows that you're like, hey, this is not gonna do yeah. well. And the day of the show, for whatever reason, you sell 200 tickets. Club's so, gonna pop off on a Tuesday sometimes. Exactly. So like, it, you really don't know I, until the show is over, unless you sell out, how the Absolutely. show is gonna be. And I think that's very hard. Absolutely. So, what do you on the opposite end of that? What do you think is the most rewarding part of your job? Oh, I, I think definitely like you're seeing the smiles from people. I, I know it sounds very cliche, but like at the end of the show, when people are like, "Hey, thank you so much for bringing this artist," or like, "Hey, this made my my day," or like even like you know, like some people are like, I know that it's very cliche and it comes people like, "Music saved my life," and like coming to your shows like give me a new hope in life or like things like that. And even just seeing like the smiles on faces at the end of the night, or like, you know, when Ed sends me the pictures and you just see like everyone smiling and having a great time. That's like definitely the most rewarding thing. Like as a promoter, as Absolutely. a DJ, it's just when like you play a track that like you just found deep in the interwebs and like it just goes off and no one expected it. And you just hear the, oh, that's like the most rewarding part as a DJ. Absolutely. So going from there what do you think is the biggest sacrifice that you have made for your career and was it worth it oh i mean probably like you know not going back home for a long time i mean that's definitely like the biggest sacrifice and it's definitely worth it mm -hmm. it's something like it was hard for my family to understand but like they support completely now they're actually coming my mom is coming to see me play at breakaway and like my sister came last year during my birthday to see me and like they see it and like it was funny because like my mom just told me like a couple of days ago when someone posted a reel of me and she like saw it and she was like you just look so happy doing what you like because like my dad was an engineer and stuff too so like they always thought like oh why are you doing this music thing it's not gonna work and now like they see it and then like, they know like I'm, I'm very good at what i do and like that i actually have a great time doing you're it you're putting your work and your time and your effort and it's something obviously you put in the time and effort to go to college for engineering which is not not an easy major to pursue to my understanding no, it was so not. <laughs> i can understand a little bit of the oh why are you switching over to music but also it is a very passionate thing to do so that that does make a lot a lot of sense since though, um, so in your downtime, what do you like to do to relax and unwind and chill out and just vibe and get kind of collect your energy and recharge? I mean, it has changed a lot from the last year, but like, I really been liking to just like go on walks with my dog. Like if I'm stressed or I need like a break, I just take the, take her to the park, let her run, I just like chill. That. Um, I really like, I mean, I, I watch movies and stuff like that, uh, trying to like fall asleep and things like that. But I mean, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped playing video games for a while, but I got really into the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And like, I just like, and that actually, it sounds funny, but like, that's the reason why I started working out again. Because I would just get my, 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 yeah, my Game Boy and just go to the, or my Switch, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just a boomer. I'm just going to call it a Game Boy. And I just go to the gym and I'll be biking or walking or whatever and just playing the switch, playing it. diving in it. Exactly. And like that really like actually helped me lose weight and get healthier. But like, I, I mean, I, I really like have like very, very bad ADHD. So I always run a thousand miles per hour. So like just to unwind for me means like going to do something else. Like, yeah, like, like I was saying, like take my dog out for a walk or just like, not very big of like I can't really sit and play video games for two hours like that just I just can't do that absolutely absolutely I do that sometimes and then I feel bad about it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean like like I said I'll play the Pokemon Pokemon just because like I can do other stuff while I'm doing it and it's a good way to connect with your friends because like I'll be playing in Xbox I'm talking to my friends that are not in the same city because I live in Topeka but I, I, yeah I just can't and I'm not very good at it so unless it's FIFA you can ask Matei and um, how good am I? I am at, at FIFA. You'll see. <laughs> oh man, I'm not. I'm not good at the FIFA. I I would cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so throw a little hypothetical at you. So you just just played a show, just played a set. Everything went great. Everything went fantastic. What do you do to kind of celebrate uh, the success of just playing a good show? I mean, like normally, like I don't know, like. Um, when I finish playing my shows, normally it's like at the end of the night or something. And like, we are doing a new 
no after parties 2023, which I've been pretty good about. Oh no! So like, <laughs> so, I mean, after still uh, 5 a.m. or not at all? <laughs> no, 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 yeah, like I'm, I'm getting too old for that. So I think like I mean, like yeah, have a couple drinks or whatever. But like, I mean, I think like the best way to just celebrate is just go and enjoy with your friends and like, you know, just have a good time with them for the rest of the show. Um, I mean, there's like if it's a good show, and that's the other thing, like. The celebration of having a good show is just the show itself for me. Absolutely. So yeah. absolutely, and that does make a lot of sense. You're kind of already at a party, so <laughs> might as well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you were to throw a benefit or charity charity concert for any cause, what do you think it would be? The cause humane society, why? animals. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. I like animals. Yeah, definitely. Um. Okay. So. Going back through your career, what is a random fun memory that just pops into your head? Oof, during my career, random pop memory. Um, I don't know. I mean, some, I mean, I don't know if they were like funny for other people. They were funny probably for other people, but like scary for me, like, you know, pressing the wrong button on the queue, CDJ. So like the music completely stopped playing for a thousand people. Um, I don't know. Um, spilling my drink all over myself while playing like things like that like i think other people will find funny but yeah yeah i, I, I can't really think like i'm i'm, all, I'm a, i like to think i'm a very like positive person and i'm always laughing and smiling so like everything is funny for me <laughs> okay so when you're opening a show obviously as a club dj you got to feel out the audience what do you do to kind of get a feel for the audience and try to figure out what kind of vibe you're feeling and what kind of vibe you're playing for that night. I normally like, I, depending on what time I'm playing, but like, especially if I'm direct support or something, I always try to play. I start with like things I know they're going to like, mm-hmm. and then I'll try to go into something different just to see if they like it. And if I'm trying to go that way, one thing I've learned and like I've seen is that like, especially with how bad people are now about like paying attention, I try to play different genres of music every 15 to 10 minutes just to like keep it entertaining and keep people like guessing and and more what's gonna come next exactly absolutely so um you do do a lot of support and help help do a lot of openings do you think it is possible for an opener to go too hard and how do you find a balance to make sure you don't go too hard but you go hard enough i think like yes you can definitely go too hard but like in a way it will be, I think it's more of the promoter's fault. Like, you know, if you have a house show and you have the kid going before playing uh, heavy, heavy dubstep, yeah, heavy dubstep DJ. then it's, that's definitely, it's, I mean, I think like normally, like if you are a, like, for example, no matter who's playing before me, I know that I can either follow that or like keep the people at least as entertained. Cause it's not about like playing harder. I feel like it's about like making the people dance more. So like, you know, some people might just be like, oh, I can just play like harder. It's like, but yeah, what is harder? You know, like, it's more like, can you make the people have a better time than the black person before you? Absolutely. So you won 2022's The Pitch Best Club DJ. Damn right. Um, And I already hear you're already working on 2023's. I wasn't going to, but (laughs) Savi challenged me because he's getting tired of me being that my entire personality. (laughs) What does kind of campaigning and working for that experience look like? And is there any advice that you might give to somebody who is also looking to maybe dethrone you from that title? I mean, I will say, like, honestly, like, if you really care that much that you want to win that and make that your entire personality you're probably not going to win it like i got nominated and i didn't even know about it and like honestly i completely forgot that they were doing the that they were saying that they who was going to win and i woke up and i was driving and i got a message from some from one of the other djs competing saying like hey you want to like yeah i mean i did like you know you post it because like once you're nominated you're like hey at least i'm gonna like try to campaign a little bit about it but like it's just an award like it's not really like something that is like it doesn't make you make more money it doesn't make you a better person like oh yes it does <laughs> <laughs> so it's like i mean i think it's funny and i like it and like it's nice to be recognized for something that you work very hard but like i can assure you like it's like i didn't win because i wanted it to win and like i told people about it it was more because people felt like i deserved it because of the other things i did around that Absolutely. More than like actually like the DJ part. Because I can tell you, Brent Neuro is way better DJ than me, like an actual DJ. 
and like he got second place. And I can assure you it was not because I'm better than him in any way, shape or form. It was just because maybe what I'm playing and like the place I play are more popular than what he plays. So it, it was, it's literally Absolutely. a popularity contest. So I mean, yeah. Okay. So going from there, you work, work a lot in the music industry all yeah. over. If you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be and why? Uh, I mean, probably, I would say, I mean, I know I said this before, the agents, just because it's like, sometimes like they think that they're doing the best for like their, their, the people that like they work with. But like, I mean, I don't know, like I, definitely the money involved in the industry, like people that like, are just trying to like do it for fame and just do it for the money like in all sides, you know, like promoters that are just doing it for the money, that the DJs that are just doing it for the money. I think that's like the worst part of the industry. Like you have promoters like all the United States that like they're happy with just breaking even in a lot of the shows just because like- People are actually passionate and are actually doing it because they enjoy the experience. And they want to introduce people to that experience Mm -hmm. instead of like counting the money at the end of the night. And then you do have, I I absolutely agree. Then you knew, I don't want to call them vultures, but I'm gonna call them vultures. People who don't even care, even have a passion or even listen to the music in the car. Exactly. Well, I don't listen to that music in the car. We're just talking about it early, but. So you've obviously been in the scene for a long time. How do you think you've seen EDM evolve in the past five years? And then looking to the future, how do you con- seeing it continue to evolve five years in the future? I mean, like I have it, yeah, a lot, incredibly, like in mainstream. Like it was funny because like the other day I was um, driving with uh, with Penny and Middle by Seth was playing, and it's like if you think about it, is that's electronic music. And this was just in like a random ass um, radio station in the middle of Kansas. So like five years ago, that would have never, never happened. happened. So like and now and after that song, it was the Chainsmokers. And after that song, it was Diplo. So you have like three songs in a row that are EDM playing on the mainstream radio. And that would have never happened. And like, I think like what's going to start ha- happening probably in the future is just more genres and more different kinds of um music musicians are going to adapt it even more like you know you already said it with the country rhythm or whatever like i really think that like in five years you are going to have a dj opening for uh whatever his name is that always plays an arrowhead i don't know anything about country but i think like that's how it is eventually is going to happen like you already have djs opening with electronic music for um for rap artists and for pop artists like i mean you know, you had Boombox Cartel and Chewy and uh, what's his name, um, Dioro opening for Bad Bunny in the Dodgers <laughs> Stadium. So like, you're gonna end up seeing people like Diplo opening for Gaga, like things like that, instead of having like other singers or bands, even bands. Like, you know, you have Frank Sumo from Sum 41 that just came to Aura, like just having, maybe he will just do a DJ set before Sum 41 takes the stage. Absolutely. Okay, so on to my next question. In my opinion, social media can be one of the more stressful parts of the job. How do you go about dealing with social media and always having to have a positive, good-looking character on social media? I'm not going to lie, I get triggered and want to get into Facebook wars. Almost every day I'm on Facebook. How do you maintain not doing that? So, like, one trick that, like, I've learned because, like, I used to be very bad about that is between me and uh, some of my members of my team, we message each other what we want to answer to that post. And that way the other person, like the rest of the team would tell us if we should post it or not. 99% of the times the answer is no, you should not post that. (laughs) But like that way you get it out of your system. Absolutely. And you are not making a ridicule of yourself in front of like anyone. Anyone. But like you're just joking with your friends. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it's very easy to get like frustrated by people online, trust me. And like, that's our team. Like, I know a lot of people like might take it the wrong way, but if I see something I don't like, I just erase it. I, if, I don't, if I see that's something that I don't like that you posted or I feel offended or I'm not agree with, I'll unfollow you and I don't have to see that kind of stuff anymore. And it's, it's way easier than like have, going there and like, no matter what you say to anyone, you're never gonna change their mind. Like, there's, Absolutely. It's very rare. And most of these people end up just actually being your friends. People that will tell you, you know what? You're right. Like, I'm actually like wrong in this. Like, that's not going to happen online. Never. 
Never, never. And once you realize that, you're going to save yourself so much time and so much mental health energy, I feel exactly. like. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we are running close on time. We got about five minutes left, so I got probably a couple good questions left. Okay. Um, the music scene is obviously a very competitive place, whether people mm -hmm. want it to be or not. Do you consider yourself to be a competitive person, and how do you use healthy competition as a way to motivate yourself? And how do you and how do you stop it from becoming unhealthy competition? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I've been very competitive all my life. Um, I mean, even right now, like. Uh, I don't let my daughter win in Mario Kart <laughs> ever. No matter how how much uh, Carly yells at me, I said that we're not raising a trophy kid. So, um, but in music, I think it's different. Like, yeah, you can be competitive as like maybe not. not I don't think that you should want to be the best or like the most. But I think like I don't know. Like, I never want. I never. I'm like, hey, I want to be a better DJ than that guy. It's more like. I want to be able to do what he's doing. Absolutely. So it's like in a competition in a way, but like not really. It's more like a collaboration. Like most of the people I always wanted to be like, I want to be like that. I end up working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, what are some things that we don't even think about when it comes to building your brand and building and maintaining wealth and building your image up? What are some things that come to being a DJ that people don't ever think about? I mean, I think like the way that you present, like I said before to people and even in social media makes, takes a, like, is really important. And, you know, just remember that like everything you say, people will remember it. Like there's, you know, if you talk shit on someone or something, anytime, anywhere, no matter even if it's on a Snapchat or whatever, most of the times I will see that because like someone that is trying to take your spot and is competitive against you is going to send it to me. So like it doesn't like, so just don't, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. Absolutely. That's basically the main thing. Absolutely. Okay. So we are running on our last few minutes. So you're obviously hard at work at Impact Festival. You're hard at work uh, doing everything at Impact. Why don't you tell me a bit about your future shows and all the love that you're pouring into them and oh, what we all have to look forward to? You guys have no idea the kind of calendar that we have at Aura. Like I can tell you that the, the, like, the smallest shows are already announced and the biggest ones are to come. Like it's like if, like all these artists are just people that you will never thought that you will see ever at Aura. And then for Impact Festival, it's going to be an amazing experience. It's going to be literally downtown, basically, like in the West Bottoms, but like you can throw a rock from downtown there. And it's going to be two stages. It's going to be of the best sounds in the region. Uh, we're bringing some of the biggest artists that we had at Aura the last year and some other artists that like I've been trying to bring for, for a long time. It's just going to be uh, so a, a completely different experience. It's going to be free. You know, we're going to give away free waters. We're going to give away um, like some of our sponsors are going to give us stuff to give away in the f festival. It's something that like you probably have never really experienced in Kansas City in an EDM festival. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to look forward to. And then going from that, you have anybody you'd like to give shouts out to or ignition to or. Well, I mean, to all my team, you know, Sabi, Bailey, Jordan, F, um, Seth, Mitch, and of course, Stu and Chad, who is like now letting us work at the levy. And of course, you know, to the crowd control boys that helped me put up the, um, the shows every other week for at the levy. And of course, to my fiance, Carly. I probably forgot a bunch of people, so don't get offended. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. The, so the social media brigade is going to be on you after I release this. Don't you worry. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would like to thank you for taking the time to uh, come on the podcast tonight. It was an absolute wonder having you on again. Well, of course, and my pleasure. I look forward to uh, having you on again in the future for Impact Festival. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just let me know. Ho hopefully, we'll be able to do something right before it. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. I am super excited to take a deep dive into that as well. August but 19, tickets are on sale. There's the cheapest that you're going to be getting them. They're just going to go up every time we release a face. Absolutely. And you're not going to regret them, trust me. Absolutely. So looking forward to that. And again, thank you very much. Um, My pleasure. 
And then, uh, yeah, thank you for everybody who listened listened in tonight. Um, again, likes, ratings, shares, subscriptions are always appreciated. Um, if you guys liked it, remember, just give us a comment, give us input. I love input. Tell me other questions I shouldn't be I should be asking or questions I shouldn't be asking. What questions are you tired of hearing? Um, but remember, Kansas City, we love you guys. You're way better than St. Louis. We're always kick their ass. And have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful day. And we look forward to seeing you again here soon.